Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark, presented by Circa Sports. Make sure you hit up the Circa Sports app for all your gambling needs. You got the Packers coming up here in a little bit. Rooting for the Giants, uh, because now we've turned our attention away from rooting against the Panthers and rooting against (laughs) all these teams that have the number one, number two, and number three pick, because it seems like that's all but locked up at this point. And now all of a sudden, Corey, we turn our attention to rooting against teams that are in the playoff picture. Somehow, some way, the Bears have won five of their last nine games. They're five and four. And they're just at the edge of the in the hunt graphic. But I can tell you from my extensive research last night, Corey, that there are a lot of different scenarios where the bears <laughs> can run the tape. They have to run the table, but if they do, there are an abundance of scenarios where the bears could make the playoffs. Can you believe it? Corey Wooten Brad, Could this be a situation like last year's lions, right? Towards the end of the season, they're playing very consistent football defensively, offensively. They figured things out. Could that be a situation? Could that be? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it sounds funny, but I mean, come on. What were the lines? One and six, one and seven to yep. start their season last year. And I'm sure at the time, Lions fans probably had a lot of questions about Dan Campbell. A lot of questions about the direction of the franchise. Jared and then Goff, all of a sudden, right? yep. Jer- everything. And then all of a sudden something turned. They started playing with a little more attitude. They finished the season strong. And then all of a sudden, they get to the last week of the season and going into that Sunday, they had a chance to make the playoffs, but before the game had even started, they were eliminated from playoff contention, but they were playing the Packers and Dan Campbell said, we don't care that we're not making the playoffs. We're going to keep the Packers out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they went out and, and ended Aaron Rodgers' career in green Bay. And you know what? <laughs> It's not impossible that a similar scenario, it seems unlikely when you talk about it, it sounds silly where you talk, when you consider where this team has come from this season. And, uh, you know, as uh, someone that's very fanatical, like me, sometimes you lose sight of the long journey. That is a season because baseball is 162 games. Basketball is 82 games, but football, you only get 17 games and it goes so quick. But at the same time, there is a journey to this and all of a sudden the bears find themselves on a bit of an uptick. And if they find their way to beat Cleveland, now you run into two home games, not getting too far ahead of the schedule. We'll get into it tonight where you're playing the Arizona Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons, two dome teams coming to Chicago to play in cold weather. It sets up nicely. They got to take care of business this Sunday. We're going to get into all of it. But no, Corey, to answer your question with my long-winded answer, it could very well be a very Detroit Lions 2022 situation here. Yeah, it's it's great to see, especially defensively. I think they're playing at an extremely high level, right? Number one, rush defense, or number two, I I don't know after this week what what it is, but, you know, just the improvement in that area from last year to this past year is unbelievable. Now, all of a sudden, Montez Sweat comes in, 
And I know a lot of people were very critical of that pick. I've loved that pick from the beginning. I'm a huge Montez Sweat fan. His length, his strength, what he brings to the table. And we're just seeing that. And then look at some of the young guys like Jervon Dexter, Zach Pickens flashing in there. He's elevating everybody's game. Yannick had the big sack early on. So I think Montez Sweat is elevating everybody's game. And I talked about that rushing cover. We're finally starting to see a little bit of that, right? I yep. think it's improving every week. We're seeing more pressure. We're seeing Aaron throws from quarterbacks. And before this game, I had said, listen, Jared Goff has a history of struggling against the Bears, even back to his Rams days. I don't know if you remember that 2018. Yep. Oh, when yeah. they came in town. It's cold. Oh, they're there. the hottest team in football. Sean McVay and company, Todd Gurley, all these guys. They shut him out. I think Jared Goff had 60 yards passing. Todd Gurley had 20. They wanted Jared to go Go home. Jared Goff did not want to be there that night. No, they, they, they didn't want to be there. I just think it's such a great matchup because Jared Goff is one of those quarterbacks. You saw the times he looked efficient and he looked good in this game, right? There's quick rhythm throws, the timing throws. One, two, three, get the ball out. He loves to get the ball out quickly. And then what you saw is when you make him hold the ball and you get pressure in his face, he really struggles. There's a couple times he kind of looked a little bit like Sam Darnold, seeing ghosts out there, right? There was phantom pressure, and he's, ah! he, he got a little <laughs> scared, Braggs. He did. He did. Why, why does your Jared Goff impersonation sound like your impersonation of me at times? Why did <laughs> like, that sound similar? You and Jared Goff. I mean, y'all come from the same. No. <laughs> that's, just my, that's just my voice when people are struggling, I guess. I don't oh, know. okay. But, okay. But that, that's what you see when any quarterback, right, really struggles against pressure. But there's some that, that can't handle the pressure at all. Um, so it was great to see the Bears consistently start to get some pressure, especially with the front four. Right. And and how about the big fella, Jervon Dexter, continues yep. to improve. And Braggs, I, I, I've been saying this. Once he can really trust the pad level in the get off, it's really going to be a scary thing because he is doing what do you, this. What stuff. do you mean by trust the get off? That that sparked something in me. Yeah. So so when you talk about a Tampa two scheme, when you talk about an attacking style defense, especially up front, getting off the football. When when I look at some of the best teams in all of football right now, San Francisco, Philly, you, you, when that ball snap, look at the difference in get off between them and some other teams out there. But why wouldn't he try? I understand. Cause we've talked about this on the show here before. And I think it's well documented that he has a slow get off, but I don't, I guess I didn't realize it's about trusting the get off. I don't, I don't know what you mean by that specifically. So, so when I say, when I say trust the get off, because a lot of times, remember when I was talking about a, traditional defense right everybody has a gap and sometimes people have trouble trusting getting off the ball quickly because they think they're going to get out of their gap right but the whole thing about the tampa too and i've explained this is your penetration sets the edge it gets in your gap right so if you drive your guy back three yards in the backfield but maybe let's say you're reached or you're out of your gap it doesn't matter because what is the running back going to do he's he's going to go around that person and yep. then all of a sudden you can rally the troops. So penetration kills everything. So that's why I say trust it because it goes against everything you're taught as a defensive lineman, right? Everything is gap discipline. Oh, I have B gap. I got to stay in the B gap. No, no, no. If I drive my guy back or I get penetration, I set a new edge right there. I, I set a new gap. So penetration kills everything. So that's what I'm saying. He's been so accustomed to that slower get off from the Florida days. And we watched the tape. It was like ball snapped, still in a stance. All of a sudden, and that's his coach's fault. But at this level, once you get off the football quickly, and especially a guy of his size, his quickness, his strength, he'll be unstoppable. Like, honestly, I, I really do. And I'm really starting to like this pick because I know early on I was like, you know, in a team that really needed a dominant three technique, a guy that was ready to, ready to play day one for the scheme, mm -hmm. he wasn't that, right? But what we're seeing now is him improve every week. And we're seeing him, you know, get in the QB's face, getting sacks, getting penetration. And that's what I said. Once he's able to get off the ball consistently, it, it, it's going to be scary. It really will. Um, so it's good to see him continuing to prove. And I think that's the Montez sweat effect. I think he's elevating everybody's game. Yeah. I think it was a great pickup and a lot of people were very critical on it. And I'm like, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated defensive ends in the game for what he does in the run game. Always a top five run defender pressures. He's up there top 10 every year. Um, this year, he's over 10 sacks. He he has all the tools. Imagine when you put somebody opposite him, when they get when they get a big splash 
and free agency of the draft opposite him. Right. This defense is going to be scary, Braggs. So I'm, we're going through scenarios where I was t- I was talking to Gabe Ramirez, who who I who I do a show with on on yep. Sundays, and I told him I said I said imagine this right because I know everybody's been very critical about Ibrahimovic, but the way this defense is playing, if they continue to do that, you have to keep Ibrahimovic right. The way this defense is playing, you add a defensive end, you add a three technique, and then all of a sudden, this this defense is is a, is a top ten, top five defense. I really 100%. do believe that. No, I um, agree. And then all of a sudden, when you look at offensively, offense is starting to come along. If you add a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., like we were talking about, right? You add a center. Um, all of a sudden, this this offense is, is pretty scary with, with two dynamic number one weapons. Yeah, no, it's, it's exciting stuff. It really is because you can feel it now. I, I said my observation of the game was like, like the first time they played the Lions, we were like all going crazy. We're like, holy shit, they're playing so well. You know, uh, offense is dynamic. The defense getting all these turnovers. And it was just like this electric game. And they end up losing at the end. Then they come back home and they just beat the shit out of them. Like it wasn't like we weren't really like going crazy because it just felt methodical the way they kicked their ass in the second half. At halftime, we there was some doubt creeping in. Because the Lions were able to take a lead and they they were slowing the Bears' tempo down. And then all of a sudden, the second half, the Bears just took control. And that was my thing. It's like, okay, well, maybe the Lions aren't as good as they look to start the year. Maybe they're starting to find some flaws. But it's the ebb and flow of a season. I mean, even the Eagles right now are struggling. But at the same time, you feel that the Bears are elevating and rising. with, Like you said, with the return or with the you know, Montez sweat entering the fold, this secondary coming together. I mean, one of my favorite moments of the game was the culmination of the whole defense. There was some motion on the left side and Kyler Gordon tapped on his head to alert the pass off. It was, they were playing man coverage and it was Jalen Johnson, Tyree Stevenson, I believe. And, and Kyler Gordon, and they all just communicated in sync and passed it off beautifully and stuck to their guys. And then, oh, by the way, Jervon Dexter and Montez Sweat collapsed the pocket and there's a sack. And you kind of saw it all come together in that moment. It was like, wow. And, and to your point, if they add to what they have right they're already uh, stifling defense with just Montez Sweat. They're able to add more to that. I completely agree with you. The sky's the limit. Going into the game, I said, I don't know what to expect. I picked them to lose and I'm, I'm frustrated that I couldn't stand on meatball. Yeah. island pick them to win. But I just, my problem was, was I was like, I can't, it's hard to predict this team because I don't know what team's going to come out on Sunday, mm. but now we're starting to creep into a territory where I feel fairly confident knowing what they're going, how they're going to play coming up against the Browns. Yeah. I know this defense is going to give Joe Flacco problems. You know, like I, I'm starting to get to a point where they're playing consistent enough to where I have a decent idea of what to expect from them on Sunday. Isn't it crazy how one player can really change this team? Because when Montez Sweat first came in here, right, the first game he was there, remember we take it with a grain of salt, right? He's trying to understand the defense. He's not really playing fast. But the second game, third game, all of a sudden we see this defense elevate their level of play and and that's what we're seeing a consistent team and and it's awesome to see i predicted them to beat the lions i was very bold about it i was like jared goff i'm i'm not buying this detroit team this year last year the way they were playing the end of the season 100 but they're not the same team right jared goff does not look like himself this the defense is not that good right they they kind of were struggling to generate pressure i thought this was a great matchup even the first game i picked them to win bears should have won that game right they got conservative at the end but what I love about this is, is finally we saw Luke Getze towards the end of the game being more aggressive, right? Especially when when Justin Fields was getting him in rhythm with some of his throws and passing game. You know, we saw in certain situations where normally he would run the football on third down and I, he, he was passing the ball second down. He wasn't taking his foot off the pedal. And that's what I like. The, the, my main criticism of him was, was that third and two and then fourth and one. Because my thing is like this. If you have 
blossing game. You have Foreman. You know he's going to get at least two to three yards falling forward. You got one of the best blocking tight ends ever to play in, in, in the NFL in, Mar- in um, Mercedes Lewis. Cole Komet's a great blocker as well. Run the football downhill. You got two downs to get a first first down. I just didn't understand why they chose that. A quarterback power with Justin Fields and then a fake dive flip play, which doesn't make sense at all, right? You're going sideways to get one yard. I, on the goal line, I understand sometimes when you get in a situation where you're like fourth and fourth and goal on the one, right? Maybe do a bootleg or something like that to keep them honest with the option to pass the ball. But I just didn't understand that play. I thought that was I thought that was a terrible two two play plays called back to back in in that situation. Can't hear you, bro. You know, you'd think I'd know. Uh, you'd think I'd know that. Uh, my bad. But, yeah, no, I agree. He was overthinking himself there. Uh, he's had several moments, Luke Getze, this season where he's done that in short yardage situations, Denver being one of those games, which cost us a win. And had they won that game, you know, even if you just take out the at Detroit game, because I feel like they could have won both. But let's just say they want take one of them and let's just take the Denver game because they were up 28 to three at home. And then you, then it becomes a game at the end and you still have a chance to win and you can't execute in short yardage. And then that comes back to rear its ugly head even yesterday. So, you know, there's still questions when it comes to Luke Getze. It's not perfect, but when you have a D, I mean, we learned this back in the day when you were playing defense for the bears, you don't need your offense to be perfect when you have complimentary football and the defense is putting you in good positions to score. And that's what happened several times yesterday. The defense keeps giving the ball back. And when you have a player like Justin Fields or Jay Cutler, yeah, they might make a couple mistakes. They might not pitch a perfect game, but the more chances you give them, the more explosive plays are going to happen. And they're bound to put up somewhere between 20 and 30 points. Typically, you know, if your defense is playing the way it has been. So that is what, when you hear Matt Eberflus talk about complimentary football, you're getting that here from this defense. Uh, Jalen Johnson, let's talk about him. Let's stick on the defense here for a little bit because uh, I enjoy, you know, hearing your thoughts with how this Tampa 2 is coming together. Jalen Johnson's really pushing to get that bag, man. I mean, I know he said what, that. What he are they waiting to... for, man? What are they, what are they waiting I know. for? Well, because Jalen said after the trade deadline that he wasn't going to talk contract negotiations until after the season. I would be, if I was Ryan Poles, I would have, sh- like, when he came in Hallis Hall today, I would have been like, step Let's right here. You know what I mean? Like, just try to give him a full court press and just see if you can change his mind to, to reward him. Money talks, step- man. Yeah, Money talks. To step- <laughs> for stepping up the way he has. It's been so impressive lately. The the, th- the thing about it is, right, um, I think he maybe felt a little disrespected maybe by them not starting the negotiations earlier. And maybe he feels like, hey, at this point, I can maybe test test the waters and see what may happen, right? But they have they have options to franchise them or or whatnot. Um, but I, I think it's a situation where money money talks, right? And any player, right, if they get a big contract, they're gonna sign it because at the end of the day, right, you never know in this game, right? Knock on wood, you never know what may happen with any player. So you yeah. have to take a contract when it is. So, so when I played uh, Johnny Knox, supposedly right before he got hurt, he got offered a contract that he turned down. So right before that game, he got hurt. Um, that that was that was wow. what what people had said that he got offered a contract right before that that Seahawks game when he got right. when he got injured. And um, it's that's just unfortunate. Brutal. That's brutal, you know. And then then he has that that career ending injury, something that impacts him to this day, which which is unfortunate. So. In this game, if somebody's offering you money and, and hey, you could maybe get a little bit here or there from another team, but if they're offering you a significant amount of money that makes sense, you got to sign the deal. Well, and I had made the point that I was like, well, maybe he doesn't even really want to play here. Like he's pushing them saying he's highballing them saying, well, you can reset the cornerback market and I'll play for you, but I ain't giving you a team, you know, a hometown discount because You've sabotaged my numbers and I haven't been a, on a competitive team the last couple of years. So why would I want to stay here? I can go somewhere else and get the same amount of money and have a chance to play in the playoffs and put my 
ability on a bigger stage for people to know who I am. Cause I think outside of Chicago, most people probably don't know who Jalen Johnson is and how well he plays the cornerback position. But now all of a sudden vibes are high. Everybody's loving each other. You know, it feels like it's starting to turn the corner. I'm sure the players feel that they're, you know, they're dancing in the locker room after the game. You know, they got chief Keith blasting on the, on the <laughs> loudspeaker. Well, hell, you know, use those v- good vibes to see if Jalen will come around and come up on your heat that polls has to come up on his price. Now, now you can franchise tag him, but like we've talked about, that's only going to piss a player off. Yeah. And now you you're going through a situation where he's holding out for who knows how long. And so I, I hope they do pay him at this point uh, because you just see things trending in such a positive direction and it, it's uh it's exciting to see. He's 24 years old. He's one of the better cover corners in the league. He's only going to, he's not even in his prime yet. So why, why, why not pay him right at this point? It just, it only makes sense because when you're, when you're having a team, you want to keep your homegrown talent, right? They're able to do that with Cole Komet, right? Hopefully, hopefully that could work out with Jalen Johnson, right? Some of these really talented players, and if, and if Justin Fields continues to flourish and they decide to keep him and he does great next year, same thing. You want to keep your homegrown talent, right? That's that's a big thing because then it looks good on your part. You're able to develop these guys. You're able to keep them and retain them and have them play majority or if not their whole career um, yep. for, for the team. Because I think that's ideally – I mean, and that's what you saw when, when I was playing a lot of those guys. Like Peanut Tillman, yeah, he went to Carolina at the end. But most of his career he was there. Lance Briggs as well. Uh, Brian Erlacher, obviously, you know, they they kind of they kind of kicked him out, um, which is unfortunate. But I'm seeing, a lot I'm seeing, of I've seen Brian twice now. I saw him just here the other day yep. uh, at Bernie's Book Bank banquet on Saturday. And we interviewed him like a few weeks ago. And he keeps he, you know, like he's not saying Devin shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but he keeps no, he's messing critical. With me. He's critical. He keeps messing it. with me about him. And yeah. I'm like, Brian. I'm going to put you in a figure four leg lock. Like it's my guy, Devin. So, yeah. You, so hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, come on now. You, you're going to put, you're going to put, you're going to, you're going to put lack. You're going to put lack in. Uh, who's um, going to win me or Brian? You have to consider my emotional, like I, I, you know, like when a mom gets so strong to save their child, they can like lift a car. Like yeah. that's how I feel for Devin Hester. I don't care about your emotional damage. I don't care about that. All right. Yo, Brian Erlacher will wax that. You know what? <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> Stop playing, man. Nah, but, he, he's been a good sport, but I have been busting his ass. No, but but that's, that's what you want to do. You look at like for years, right? Um, you know, di- different successful teams like the Patriots, they were able to keep a lot of their talent, right? They were able to draft well, right. um, free agents that they kept. Uh, I think that's just a mark of a good team. Green Bay for years, right? They they were able to draft, develop some really good talent, you know, offense, defensive side of the ball. Um, yep. It's just like for, for a while, the Bears were not doing that, right? I think after Lovey Smith left, uh, the Trustman error after that, you know, um, it was kind of tough to really get things going on, you know, for, for a while it was like there weren't as many players that they were drafting that they were keeping for second, second or third contract. So yep. you got to pay the man at this point. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Jay Grizz in the chat says, honestly, with sweat back there, he'll make a lot of DBs look good with that pressure. He's putting on DBs. Yeah, I agree. But like we talk about, it's complimentary football, not just complimentary for offensive defense, but complimentary pass rush and, and, you know, secondary or coverage, you know, and, and so, yeah, I don't think that's a knock on him to, to say they brought in a pass rusher. So that's helping him. They should have a pass rusher. I mean, last year, the bears had only 10 sacks from their defensive line, the Mm. lowest total from a bears defensive line in franchise history. That Mm. takes a huge hit on what the secondary's capability of production can be. And you take him into a negotiation room and say, well, you haven't gotten enough production. Bullshit. Bullshit. And now you get Montez Sweat in here and oh, now, like like Jay Grizz is saying, now all of a sudden he's got how many picks since Montez Sweat has gotten here? Well, that's proof in the pudding. Put good talent around him to play complimentary football and you'll get to see a more fair evaluation of who the player is. 
I mean, you, you can say that about any position, right? A quarterback is dependent yep. on his offensive yeah, line. Peyton Manning, look, look how many Hall of Famers Peyton Manning had around him. Reggie Wayne, Marshall Falk, you know. Uh, Kurt, uh, Kurt Warner, right, when he ran that, Marvin that Harrison Mike Martz Senior. team. <laughs> think, of, think about to run a seven-step drop. You have to have some dudes at offensive line to run a seven-step drop. Kurt Warner in those Mike Martz days. That's why that stuff never worked in Chicago because pass rushers are so good. And then if you don't have the offensive line that are Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl guys, you know, Orlando Pace type guys, it, it's tough to protect the seven-step drop. Right. No, I agree. Matt Nagy, who's our resident troll, saying Peyton Manning, he spelled Peyton wrong, but you did spell it Walter Peyton style. Peyton yeah. Manning made those guys Hall of Famers. Matt, I get it. It, but it, it's one hand, one hand washes the other and you you're diminishing the talent of those players around him too. There's nothing yeah. wrong. You, you doesn't have to just be one hall of fame around the team. You can have four. Like yeah. you can't, you can't sit here and say those players wouldn't have been good out to Marshall Falk, yeah. not being good outside of, uh, you know, Peyton Manning. I doubt it. I'm sure he would have been fine. What about Tom Brady? He's a guy that really made guys good. Like yeah, talk about he never played with a Hall of Fame receiver. Um, I mean, Randy Moss was towards the end of. That's why I always liked Tom more than Peyton. Yeah. And Tom would beat Peyton, and Peyton had the greatest show every year with the best players. And Tom didn't have any of that. Tom had a guy who was his best wide receiver who also played quarterback. You know, before he got like Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski and those guys. Yep, exactly. Like you look at Wes Welker and Edelman and a lot of those guys, like. They they were great for that scheme, but in in terms of being yeah, Ar- Armadillo, Danny Armadillo, <laughs> Amendola, <laughs> he is from Texas though. That's, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he had a lot of like unsung heroes. Chris Hogan, right? Um, that had a really great career, former lacrosse player. Um, but like no no Hall of Fame Pro Bowler every year consistent type of guys, right? Like I. I'm trying to think of like Julian Edelman. Did he make the Pro Bowl quite often? Maybe maybe a year or two. Like I think he wasn't consistently. Yeah, a, I don't think he was consistently a Pro Bowler. I think maybe Wes Welker was for a couple of years here or there, but most of them have just been very good complementary players, and they work well for that scheme. So, um, I, speaking of offense, what what what'd you think of, of of Fields and and how he played in this game? Yeah, because it's interesting because you've been 10 toes down for Justin Fields here, and I've been, like, all over the place. I got people saying that, I, you know, I'm hedging, and I'm, mm-hmm. I won't stand on, you know, one side of this, and I, it's hard. So, you know, I agree with Adam Hogue yesterday. He said you can win with Justin Fields. He's proven that, and I don't think it's denigrating him by saying put a good defense around him, put a good team around him, and he's going to be good enough to win you a football game. I think that's true. And that should be true of any team. Um, as unfair as it, cause I'm doing my best Corey. Like mm-hmm. I, it's victory Monday. Yesterday we do the post game show. And literally the last thing I want to talk about now is what they're going to do with the number one pick. It's, it's literally the last thing I want to do now. I want to see how this season plays out the rest of the way and put all that discussion to the side. The number one pick is a 95% chance of being locked in at this point. So it's the decision is coming, mm-hmm. but what Justin Fields did yesterday was showed a lot of toughness showed dynamic playmaking ability to break out of broken pockets that most quarterbacks would not be able. I mean, he was dead to rights for almost a safety and turns it into a 30 yard gain. I don't think there's many players that could do that. If mm-hmm. any, he's got the strength and speed combination that is rare that you see at that position. Uh, then he also has the arm talent. He can make any throw on the field. Uh, he's shown that time and again, and the DJ Moore throw while that was a free play, that was a frozen rope to DJ mm-hmm. Moore, a perfect yep. throw. He had a couple uh, the Darnell Mooney, throw to the sidelines was one of his more impressive throws of the game where he just uh, drove the football, stepped into it. And it was a, you know, it was a rocket past the DB's hand. Now, were there times where he took a sack that he shouldn't have, or he missed a player on a throw, or he didn't get through his progressions fast enough and he was holding on to the ball too long. Yes. There were those moments, 
And so, but at the end of the day, you watch anybody else around the league, you watch Josh Allen for the bills, or you watch all these, I mean, they're not pitching a perfect game. Mm -hmm. So I I've come to the conclusion that I almost like, I'm happy we have the number one pick and I'll trust Ryan Poles to make whatever decision he makes. But it's almost kind of irritating now that they have the number one pick because I don't know if any of us, including me, would be grading him so harshly on every single play, every single mistake, highlighting every single great play as this sign of, uh, okay, he's the guy in every bad play. All right, he's not the guy. I don't think we would be acting like this if we didn't have the number one pick. So now I'm just trying to take a step back. They've fought their way back into playoff contention. You have an opportunity to win four winnable games to end the year. And that's what I, that's, that's what I want to see. And if he wins every game, like he did yesterday, I personally would be more than fine with them rolling into next year with Justin Fields as their quarterback. And you trade, you draft Marvin Harrison, or you trade it back for three first round picks and Max Crosby. As I said to you a couple weeks ago, and then I'll let you go. I, any of these scenarios you break down to me, I think have intrigue for this team to be good because the roster is really starting to build. So if that's Justin Fields behind center, I think they're going to have an opportunity to really make a leap next year. If it's not, I still think they're going to have an opportunity to make a leap, but I don't, I just don't even want to talk about that shit anymore because it's, I just like, it's the bears won yesterday. It's victory Monday. The bears are somehow in the hunt by this sliver of hope. And I just want to enjoy this week. Then they lose to the Browns. Then we're back out of it. And now we can go back to arguing about who the quarterback's going to be. But for this week, God damn it. They're in the hunt and have a chance to win out and be a nine win football team and maybe get into the playoffs. Yeah. But back to what you were saying about uh, critical. Like I, I, I think in general, most of the people that don't like Justin Fields are very critical about every little thing he does. And I think that's just honest. Like I look at what Jalen hurts, you know, playing yesterday. And I look at Josh Allen, even Patrick Mahomes at time, they make a lot of mistakes and people just aren't as critical on them as they are on a guy like Justin Fields. And, and, you know, people get to the record and they get to this, um, but I just think because of the Trubisky situation, people are very nervous that this is the same thing all over again. And I'll tell you, this ain't the same thing as Trubisky. I, I promise you that. Justin Fields is way more talented. And when you see the progression from him, Braggs, a couple of years ago, we would see Justin Fields throwing some picks and some errant throws. We're not seeing him throw the interceptions like that, right? Does he have to get better about not holding the football, right? I think every mobile quarterback has that issue, right? Because they think they can extend plays. Josh Allen did the same thing where, you know, he extended the play too long. Somebody hit him. He threw an errant throw uh, for a pick. I just think every quarterback that that can as mobile has that issue, right? Because they rely on their legs. Sometimes I can get out of all these situations. So I think, yeah, he has to get better on that. But what I'm loving is the fact that he is not throwing picks recently, right? He hasn't been throwing picks. I I love his decision-making. But in certain situations, when he took two of those sacks, I would like for him just to tuck it and go or throw it out of bounds, live to play another down, right? Yep. I think that's that's the thing that people get really angry about it is that part of his game, which is something I I think he needs to clean up. But I do think we're seeing progress from him. I, I, he was throwing some ropes out there. Darnell Mooney twice Yep. dropped footballs that he threw right on the money to him. Yep. You know, like you said, the pass to DJ Moore, some passes to Cole Komet. He throws darts. You know, he's winning games. He's not turning the football over. You know, in the, in the Minnesota game, he fumbled the ball twice. But what I like is his growth in the passing game. We're seeing that. I guess the other question is, too, is, is it sustainable? Because I can hear Mark Carmen, you know, chirping in my ear. And it's like, you know, it, he has 50, 60 rushing yards, but he took a lot of tough hits. And at one point he got hit three plays in a row where they lost yardage, third and 18 punt. Yep. And each time he got drove into the turf <laughs> one time it was right on his shoulder and he came to the sidelines grimacing. That's the other half of this equation is as great as his uh, playmaking ability is, is it sustainable? And again, there's 
mean, Trevor Lawrence is hurt. Joe Burrow is hurt. Uh, Justin Herbert got hurt this week. You know, everybody's takes a lick. So I, I don't even know if, I don't even know if that's fair to put against him to act like whoever they got as another quarterback, would he get hurt? You know? Yeah. So, but that is the other question I think that has to be answered well, is okay. his play sustainable. Can I ask you one thing? Why is Luke Getzey doing so many inside runs with Justin Fields? That's what I don't understand. Right. When you look at trying to protect your mobile quarterback, you want to get him on the edge. So quarterback power, quarterback dive. What what, what the heck is that? that? That's what I don't understand. Like in that situation, Justin Fields, when he's done the best and he's preserved his body, not taking these crazy hits is when he's one on one on the edge on an outside linebacker or a defensive end. That makes more sense as opposed to a quarterback power. He, he almost got decapitated twice on those situations. So I just don't understand that, right? Why not get him on the move on some boots with some option to run or pass? Like that's a situation where you can avoid some of those bigger hits. When when you're running downhill power play, somebody gets penetration and and you're gonna get destroyed. So I, I really I really don't like those design runs. I like them more more on the edge because then it gives an option to get out of bounds, to slide, to get down and not take some of those bigger hits. Yep. And then someone brought up here earlier in the chat and I highlighted it. Um, uh, Kay Ann uh, said, did you guys see that Flus and Brisker both were unhappy and talked about the late hits against fields during the games? Um, and the first play of the game, he slides. And I, I think he's gotten a little better with at least his slide technique. Mm -hmm. And for the first, first year or two, it seemed like, he didn't have like good baseball slide technique. And now I've seen that here a lot this year. I think he's gotten much better at that. He slides on the first play and gets hit and yeah. doesn't get a flag. He gets hit out of bounds. He gets hit helmet to helmet at times, you know, after the throw, it's never called. I do. What is it with Justin Fields that other quarterbacks get the call and he does it? I, I, I mean, I, I don't get it. Yeah, because any mobile quarterback, you look Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Oh, then we got all those calls when he got pushed out of bounds. The one that were 34, the guy with the long hair. What's his last name again uh, from, from Detroit? I don't um, even know. Well, yeah. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce Anz it. Anzalone. Anzalone. Yeah. When, yeah. When, he hit, when he hit him and everyone said, oh, well, and Campbell hit him, it hit him in that. I'm like. Listen, every other quarterback would have got those calls. Justin Fields isn't getting those calls. So there's the thing. And people say, oh, well, he didn't slide. You slow it down. He's obviously sliding. And they wanted to give him some extra because as a defender, when somebody slides, you can go over the top of them easy. And you're not going to hurt yourself, right? Mm -hmm. They knew exactly what they're doing. They're like, hey, we're going to try to rough him up. He was running all over us last time. We got to send a message. And in this, in this game, they usually call it every time. It's not like back in the day where if a quarterback is running, it's free reign. If a quarterback gives himself up, you, you can't hit him. You can't hit him in the head. Can't yep. go for his head. And that's what they were doing all, all game. And it's just surprising because if Jared Goff did that, oh, they would call that in a heartbeat. Right? If he's scrambling to the side, flag. 100%. So they need to put some respect on his name, right? And I, I think I think everybody in general because, Rags, this is, this is all starting to play out like, like I told you, I've, I've been very big on Justin Fields and what he can do. And I think he's continually showing what he can do, like as, as, as a player, as a quarterback, as a leader. And I just want him to continue finish his season well. So then that that way, there's no doubt in anybody's mind that he's the guy moving forward. Because you got to ask yourself this question when you're talking about draft and evaluation. Is Caleb Williams, is Drake May better than him? I don't That's believe so. Well, that's, I don't the believe so. that's the question for Ryan Poles, 100%. And, and, yeah, and I don't I don't believe so. I don't. I, not not right now. Um, and the thing is, you look at you look at how this team's playing. If they continue to play that way, right? Defensively, offensively, and then you continue building, all of a sudden this team looks pretty dang good. And I th I think Justin Fields is just such a talented guy that as a former defensive lineman trying to go against him, that keep you up at night. Right. And I, I guarantee you that Detroit coordinator was losing sleep about preparing for Justin Fields. Yep. And a lot of people wouldn't want to play him just because of what he can do with his legs, how he can beat you. And now he's continuing to improve as a passer. So 
Well, we I, know I, I like the way he's progressing. And we know the Lions um, don't want to play him because he gives him he gives <laughs> the Lions fits. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, that's the one thing he has been doing, even though Lions have snuck away with some wins here the last couple of years. But it seems like those days are dwindling uh, for the Bears. You know, Darnell Wright. What I just am so impressed by him when he he got the ball on that fumble and laid this dude that's like 6'8", 280 or something. Completely lay obliterated this dude before he got tackled. I mean, stonewalling Aiden Hutchinson more than a few times in this game. I mean, yeah, you got beat a few times though too. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, that's I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't expect perfection out of him, but you know, no. I just am so impressed by this guy. No, 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 I, I, I like you know, and I think it gets skewed sometimes because when an offensive lineman gets beat one time, you think it's the end of the world. In reality, it was one play. So. Aiden Hutchinson is a talented guy, um, you know, and, and he, he had a jump on the snap on a couple plays. As you've seen, the one play, though, where he completely bull rushed Nate Davis. Oh, my goodness. He, yeah. he had he him on getting, skates, yeah. hit Fields' arm, and, uh, you know, hats off to him. He's a talented player. But you look at some of the plays, Hutchinson, right? He went inside on a couple plays where Justin Fields scrambled for first downs and you know, he did big things that were undisciplined, especially when you're talking about preparing for a guy like Justin Fields. Contain is a non-negotiable, right? If you're going against him, and we saw a couple of plays where he makes an inside move, and you could tell there was no one covering him in that situation, right? Or or maybe their lack of communication. So um he hats off to him, he's a great player. And um I do I do like right. I, I like Braxton Jones got beat one time kind of bad, and, and that was a big play, but Hey, it's one play. Um, not everybody's going to be perfect every time. I think for the most part, he played pretty well in that game. So um, I still I still feel pretty confident about him going forward as, as the left tackle of the future. And, you know, Nate Davis, I'm still on the fence of, about, like, honestly. Like, I think I, – I don't know. I mean, I think I think they're – we got to see how he is next well, year. Well, he's not right? going anywhere. I mean, they signed yeah. him to a four-year deal. Yeah. He's here. Yeah. But we got to see how he is next year. He missed a lot of training camp. He missed a lot of practice. It's tough. I, I think that's honestly, um, you were talking about the defense, um, how you, you talked about that play with Carla Gordon, right? We tapped his head and there's communication. The first four weeks, we did not see that at all. How no. many blown coverage? How many missed assignments were there? Right. And that's something not only the Bears are doing, you saw that consistent with majority of teams out there in the league. I think the preseason is, is, is killing things. Like I think it's good for people's health and, and people are trying to stay injury free. But I think what it, what it's doing is once the season starts, there's people that are very rusty. They don't have the reps out there. They're not working all together, the communication, moving parts, because practice is one thing, right? You have, you have 10 plays, you do a play, you come back to the huddle, do another play. It's not, it's not like the rhythm of a game. So it's very different. And you're not able to get in that same shape and work. I agree. I completely agree. I, uh, I, I honestly, and, and this is a hot topic, and a lot of people are going to push back, especially former players. But I do think guys need to play more in the preseason. I do. I, I, really, I don't really, and I don't really think. Is it preventing injury in the preseason or during camp? Yeah, but it's not preventing injury during the year. Everybody, yeah. there's just as much a injury. Lot of ACLs, like, Achilles, somebody's going to have to pull the statistics out for me. But I don't think like the injuries are on a downswing from them eliminating a preseason game. I, I, I think off season injuries are down uh, as the Packers just get pushed out of bounds here. looks like they might have a turnover on downs as Packers and giants are in the first quarter. So we appreciate you guys hanging out with us, but I agree with you as far as the, you know, and it, it's going to be one of those kind of necessary evils. Like they're like, I agree with you that I don't think it's helping the game, but I don't think it's only going to get worse. I think they're going to eliminate another preseason game and add another regular season game to the schedule. Eventually it's gone up to 17 games. I think eventually it'll be an 18 game season yeah. schedule and teams might start having two buys in their season. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they're going to keep uh, getting softer and softer with their preseason, you know, um, commitments to the players yeah. and and driving down training camp or, or my thing is like this if you don't want them to play in preseason games like let's just say you know how a lot of times they do the um inter-squad scrimmages with a different team 
do do three or four of the do th- do two to three of those during training camp with with the team and go you're 11 on 11 we're we're going full tilt obviously we're not tackling but we're working through everything full speed right up to a thud so that way you're getting in the rhythm of going against another offense because that becomes a thing too everybody knows what each other is doing right what the bears offense is doing and vice versa the bears offense knows what the bears defense is doing so you're going against a different 11 you have to worry about what they're doing. You don't know all their tendencies and all that. So it gives you something new to think about. You got to play full tilt, you know, up to the whistle. You're thudding. So you, I think it's I think it's a safer way to get more great reps with, with without sacrificing your risk for, for injury. Yep. Uh, Dr. Truth says, great point, Woot. Uh, the current offseason seems to be worthless, unfortunately. Uh, but our viewers are not worthless and we appreciate you guys tuning in. So please hit that like button while you're here. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed, the Packers, of course, got, they gave them the first down. So now the Packers are getting into scoring territory as we root against the giants, uh, to keep the bears playoff hopes alive with every, uh, game that counts. And, uh, so, you know, another thing that always counts is make sure you hit up circus sports, our guys over at circus sports, always helping us out here and, and showing us some love. And um, they've been part of our tailgates this year, Corey, they've been great partners to everything we've been trying to do. So uh, make sure you're showing them some love. If you come on out uh, to one of our live events, they've been there as well. And um, you know, the other thing you make sure you got to do is hit up their app, their circus sports book app. Now that they're in Illinois tight money line splits, uh, games strive to be a minus 110 split on the circus sports menu, unlike other sports books, which may use a minus 115 or minus 120 split. Circus sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to other books. Uh, circus sports does not limit players based on their winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit winning players. They're very transparent. They encourage all bettors to download and explore all sports betting apps available and go compare the lines from each sports book yourself. Real people behind the circus sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion. Unlike other books who use those annoying chat bots, all aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main circus sports book at circa resort and casino in Las Vegas. Uh, so download the circus sports, Illinois app, at circusports.com slash Illinois app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for circa events, watch parties and tailgates. If you or someone you may know has a gambling problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER or text G-A-M-B to 833-234 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. All right, we're rolling along. I've got a couple questions for you here. Uh, T- Tanner Smith. super chat. Be honest. It was nice that our D shut down David Montgomery and humbled Kendall Vildor to former bears. Yeah, it was for me because you know, I I've, I've been the guy that said we could move on from David Montgomery and then Adam Hogue kind of created this whole rivalry with me and David Montgomery. I like David Montgomery, but I was glad he didn't get in the end zone yesterday because then I didn't have to hear Hogue shit about us letting him go. I always liked Kendall Vildor. Everybody else hated him, but I liked him. But, hey, we didn't shut down David Montgomery. I mean, he averaged almost seven yards a pop. So let's pump the brakes on. We shut him down. He oh my God. had a pretty effective game. <laughs> they were trying to close the door on the game, and Adam's like, Adam and Mark's, it's, it, when we watch games at the studio with them, like, I want to just get fired up and be this caveman fan that I've always been and just scream at the TV. And Adam and Mark always at some point pivot to how can we piss Greg off while we're watching this game? And so while they were up two scores, Adam's like, lions are going to come back, Greg. And I'm like, shut up. Hogue!" like, and, and when David Montgomery broke some of those tackles, Corey on, on Jaquan yeah. Brisker, I, I was losing it because they like, it was third and 10 and they did like a little drop down, check down to him. And he yeah. breaks two tackles and gets the first down. And, and it's like, all those little signs. I was just so nervous. They were going to blow it like they did in Detroit. Luckily they didn't, but you're right. David Montgomery did have, even though he didn't get in the pay dirt, did have a very solid game. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, I think it's one of the type of things that like people were, were didn't want to see him leave, but look at, 
the talented running back we got in Foreman, right? Look at Roshan Johnson at times and Khalil Herbert. So running backs nowadays are a dime a dozen. And that's one position, unless you're just such a dynamic guy that like changes the game. A guy like David Montgomery, he had a he had a great role. And I just don't think he's that dynamic a player where you have to get him and you can't replace him. I think the Bears have been fine without him. Yeah. Uh yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's and I think it's gonna be something in Chicago, then they they continue to roll over the running backs. Khalil Herbert's a solid running back, but even he's starting to lose carries this year to Deontay Foreman, a, a guy that's been around the league, uh, had success. And then you also have, you know, Roshan Johnson, who's an ascending rookie, who's going to eventually start taking the veterans jobs and so on and so forth. Um, you know, the, I think the Jim Harbaugh dream might end here with Matt Eberflus, maybe keeping his job next year. But if he did come here, I was looking at Frank Gore jr coming out of college here okay. this year, you know, bring him, pair him with Jim Harbaugh. But I don't know. I think my Harbaugh dream is starting to dwindle. So, Corey, we've talked about the whole roster. We've talked about the win against Detroit. You know, the, the title of the show was Brick by Brick. Obviously, you know, something. Else oh, obviously, because, you know, I'm Brick Boy. Goddamn right, I'm Brick Boy. Um, So I ask you this, you know, and, and I think I know your answer, but just kind of want you to expand on it. How much do you trust Ryan Poles? No matter what you think about all this coaching quarterback are going to be big mm. decisions. But when you see the way this defense is coming together, you see the way this team is coming together. You see the way Justin Fields is starting to develop. You see the way this offensive line is starting to come together. You know, it, it was hard to see it at times, especially when they came out the gate. So, you know, struggle some. But are you? Do you believe that Ryan Poles can build a championship team here in Chicago? I, I was. I, I think everybody was very critical on him, especially when the season wasn't going the way we wanted to, and and certain things didn't shake out how we thought. Right. Um, especially, I was very critical because I think he he left out the defensive line to dry, and and everyone's like, well, he, he drafted two guys, and he got Yannick, he got all this, but really how much emphasis did he put on there? Like, like draft, like getting studs on there. I didn't see that. Right. Then all of a sudden he brings in sweat and then Dexter, his guy he drafted is, is, is playing really well. Right. Yep. And we see Yannick playing well with, with sweat going opposite him. Right. We see Pickens in there making plays, Justin Jones, elevating his game. Um, and I think that's what it was is missing. So obviously him trading for Montez sweat. I love that. I like the DJ Moore acquisition, right? I've liked some of his things that he's done for sure. Um, some of the draft picks that are developing well, like Braxton Jones, you know. Um, so I I Darnell Wright, I love, love that pick. I am I he's really building my trust with with what the direction of the team he's going with. And I'm just hoping that th I've said this. I said this last year. I said this next upcoming offseason and draft is such a monumental year, critical, pivotal year for Ryan Poles and how he's going to place this team for set, set them up for the next, you know, five years, really, and what he does, right? Three, three to five years, what he does this offseason, right? If he, can, if he can continue developing that defensive line, if he can add another weapon offensively, if he can get that center position, I think this is a critical year for, for Ryan Poles' career and kind of the trajectory of the Bears. I think this is going to be a year where it could potentially ascend them into where they need to be and where we thought they could be. Yep. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I think he is going to address this. I honestly, honestly think right now um, in his position, he's in a great position again. They got two first-round picks with a for sure first overall again. It's looking like. Uh, unless, crazy. Uh, unless something else happens crazy. But that's a great situation because if Justin Fields is your guy, you have so many options at that point, right? If he, yeah. he, he feels like he's his guy, you have so many options, right? You could pull the trigger on Marvin Harrison Jr. You can trade back and get some other picks. Um, I'm looking at the guy from Illinois, Jershon uh, Newton, Newton, Johnny Newton. Yep, yep. Imagine him in that three technique, Tampa two. Montez Sweat on the other side. We get another pass rusher. 
Bro, oh my goodness. You get me fired up, man. I might have to strap him up right now. <laughs> but Hell yeah, yeah, dude. You Johnny Newton, up. man. I, you know, obviously be, being from the Big Ten and watching the Big Ten and seeing him play, unbelievable. Like he probably could have came out last year and been a first round pick. Like right. that talented, that sophomore. Um, um unbelievable talent, quickness, hand usage, Braggs. The hand usage. When I look at a lot of these college guys. I see how they're how they're working their second, third moves, the quickness inside, how he sets guys up, how he plays the run game. He would be a great fit for this Tampa two three technique, and and coming to the first round, Johnny Newton, Chicago Bears. <laughs> Woo, we go nuts, go crazy. Oh man, that would be a perfect fit. Like honestly, like I think he's the guy I want as a defensive lineman if they're going to draft and pull the trigger right now right o- over over a defensive end right now if they had the choice between him and at the end johnny newton because the three technique is the engine that runs that defense and obviously hopefully ideal situation free agency they get the defensive end they get a center position boom we got that wiped out right marvin harrison jr first overall pick johnny newton and let's ride off into the sunset, yeah. baby. Let's roll. I mean, I definitely, like I said, I think that that scenario has a lot of intrigue to it. And it's going to be interesting to see how it all breaks out. It's exciting. The Bears are in a really good spot. If they can continue to scratch and claw and stay in playoff contention and have the number one pick, I don't really see how anyone, even when you consider some of the mistakes that Ryan Poles has made because he hasn't been perfect, not buying into what he's doing here lately because it's very encouraging and you're starting to see the vision on how this roster is starting to get built and even starting to see the vision on what he saw in Matt Eberflus as a head coach because the team is really starting to come together and you're hearing some things from some of the players about how they're really buying in. Montez Sweat uh, spoke very highly of Matt Eberflus. You saw Montez Sweat have Justin Fields back on the sidelines, uh, you know, trying to fight one of the Lions players. So you see how he's already all bought in Jaquan Brisker laying his, you know, um, his health and safety on the line every week. And he talked about today uh, how hard he wants to play for Matty refused 17 tackles all over the field. You know, that stuff, that kind of effort is contagious. And I think it really is starting to spread around that locker room. You add that fuel to the fire that's starting to light ignite here with some additions like you just mentioned. And I think that the Chicago bears are really onto something. So it's exciting stuff before we go, you know, uh, looking ahead to the Browns, how, how familiar are, are you with Cleveland? They, they just had a big win at home against Jacksonville over Trevor Lawrence, who somehow was able to play after having a high ankle sprain. It looked like he was going to be out mm-hmm. and Joe Flacco. They just picked him up off the street. And Joe Flacco, former Super Bowl champion with the Ravens, is slinging it. Uh, they they don't have Dewan Jones, their rookie tackle, who a lot of people were considering for the Bears to take. Mm-hmm. And instead, the Bears take Darnell Wright. Now, he look, he's out for a year, so that's going to hurt with this pass rush really starting to take form for the Bears. Uh, the other thing I saw before I let you kind of give the breakdown with some of the highlights as I watched through the Browns Jaguars game, it seemed like they caught the Jaguars with, uh, you know, they were blitzing a few times and that left some players wide open for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, their tight end, um, Joku, Joku got loose a couple times on them and Flacco delivered it off the blitz and was able to stay calm, cool and collected back there. How do you see this matchup playing out? Because I just look at it as such a big hurdle game, an opportunity to win three of three in a row, four of your last five, as you head into soldier field to take on the Cardinals and Falcons. If you lose, then the air gets let out of the balloon and we're back to talking about what they're going to do in the off season. And I'm trying to convince you about Caleb Williams and all this crap that I don't want to talk about right now. So it's just such a big hurdle game. I just want to hear your thoughts on what you think yeah. of Cleveland and the bears chances to win that game. So Cleveland, right? Obviously we know they got Flacco coming and he's off the street. So this will be a huge game defensively. I kind of like the same recipe as they had for Detroit, right? Joe Flacco is a guy, even when he was playing in his prime really struggled against pressure. So if I'm Eberflus and company, 
I'm going to have that same game plan, right? I'm going to generate pressure with that front four. I'm going to bring some blitzers here and there, but continue to knock out that run game, right? Ford has, has kind of seemed to be the uh, the main back for them. He's averaging almost five yards a pop, so he can, he can get you a little bit. So I think if they're able to stop the run, which is something they've done consistently, I know this Detroit game, they struggled a little bit with some of the gashing runs with Gibbs and, and Montgomery. Mm-hmm. This week, you really stop the run. If they can do that, they can get after Joe Flacco and company. I really do believe that. But, you know, I think what I worry about the most is kind of that matchup with, with Njoku. Because he's a guy that's really come on late. Like, he, he was a guy that's like, you look at him, freaking nature, right? Can run, can jump, can do everything. Strong, freak, freak athlete. And he's kind of never put up the numbers. And this year, it's finally coming forward with him, right? We're finally seeing him. He's got over 600 yards, four touchdowns. He has 59 receptions this year. So we're finally seeing him really starting to make his mark in Cleveland, something that he struggled to do in the the past couple of years. So they're really starting to utilize him, especially in that red zone on kind of those zone beaters down the seam. So I think he's a guy they got to watch out. Obviously, they got Amari Cooper. He's a talented guy, but he doesn't really scare me as much. The matchup this week, I'm looking at David Njoku, right? Because I think he is a a nightmare matchup, especially one-on-one on on linebacker or potentially a safety because he he can run like a deer. He's 6'4", 6'5", about 250, 260, solid. um, And he's really starting to come alive. So Bears stop the run, be able to generate the pressure. And I really think that this is a very winnable game for them. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Continue with that same plan, right? I, I thought Getsy for the most part, had a pretty good plan offensively, right? Stick with the run game. Let's let's work the, the quick rhythm throws, which Justin Fields likes. And let's get him on the move a little bit. When he's running, no inside power, none of that. I want to see him on the edge, right? One-on-one on a defensive end. I like that matchup. So then he has the option to get out of bounds, to slide, to get down. He's not taking those crazy hits. And work with Cole Komet. Cole Komet has been a security blanket for Justin Fields. How many times has he gotten himself open in situations beating that zone? So continue to rely on him. DJ Moore, you know what? He's going to continue to show up and be that dynamic playmaker. But Darnell Mooney, we need you to step up now. There was two opportunities where you dropped some, some balls that were right at you. So really re- utilize on that. And I think this is a game where they can continue to build the momentum. And Bragg, sometimes all it takes is that I, I honestly think the Vikings game was a critical game, right? Because even despite, how many times have we seen that situation where, yeah, it looks like the Bears should win this game, but they don't, right? I guarantee you were thinking that. I guarantee you everybody in, in this chat watching right now thought that same thing. Oh, the Bears are going to lose it. But they found a way to finish it. And I think that's just huge for the confidence of the team, knowing that you didn't play well offensively. You played pretty bad, and you were still able to close out that game and then you look at what they did against Detroit this past week, which is huge for this team. So I think they they got the confidence now. Defensively, they're playing on a different level. I think this was a huge game for the offense to be able to finish, right, when defense kept getting stops. You know, there's always that lull where we're thinking, oh, this is kind of 15 points. It looked very similar to the last Lions game. And then all of a sudden, they were able to finish the game and close it out. So I think this is a huge step for the Bears. Think about if they can continue to stack wins and go into this offseason, like I said to the start of the show, how Detroit was last year. And then all of a sudden, everybody is going to feel a lot better about this Bears team, feel a lot better about Iberflus, this defense, Justin Fields, and the direction of where the Bears are going. Mute. Mute. (laughs) I'm sorry. I keep doing that today. I'm throwing off my game. Maybe I, you know, so You're I'm sorry. I, well, I'm, you know, I know. Oh, it's brick by brick tonight. It's my, it's my, <laughs> my tagline. Come on, bro. It's our tagline. We're a family. No, here it's, the it's, your, Bears. it's yours. Brick by brick, brick juice, you know, have it, have it your way. <laughs> I know when we, when we clinched the number one pick last year, I mean, you got to witness me completely lose my mind. I'm yelling brick juice. We're not even going to have that moment this year, I feel like, because it's just the, they're going to clinch it way before the last week of the season. It's a, it's honestly a miracle. I, it's like one of these things that just never happens to the Chicago Bears or Chicago teams in general. Never. But no, I, I agree with you. We'll wrap things up here. But 
you know, as much as I don't want to think about the off season anymore, I'm doing my best to not think about the losses they've squandered because they, they really could be like in the, in the playoffs right now uh, and just appreciate that they are where they are. And maybe some of those trials and tribulations has helped them. Like you said, learn to overcome some of that adversity. And now you have an opportunity. You, you just had your buy. You're as healthy as you've been all year. You're starting to get hot teams starting to believe in each other. You beat the Browns in Cleveland. You're coming back to soldier field with your hair on fire. And the Cardinals are probably walking into a buzzsaw that December uh, Christmas Eve afternoon. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I, I, I believe it, you know? And so this is the big game that I have like a, this question, like of how they're, but I, I feel good about it. I, I think I am going to pick the bears to win. Uh, Carm's already trying to give me shit about it. He's like, Let's bet then. Let's bet then. I'm like, all right, Carm. We'll 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 bet. I, hey, I feel good. Negative about negative it. Nancy over there. He didn't. Oh, you should have seen him today on the afternoon show. He's oh, he's yeah. still full of doubt and he's making fun of anybody yeah. with a semblance of hope. Won't just let Bears fans enjoy their victory Monday. Ooh, what is up with him, man? He he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed pretty much every day. It seems like yeah, somebody, cram. You know, like. Yep. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable though. I I guarantee you, like it's it's funny because on Twitter. People were saying, hey, if Bajan was playing, you know, Carm would have picked them to win. Well, when they showed Bajan on the sideline right before halftime, yeah. his face lit up like it's his child or something. Like, yeah, let, just... let's let's pump the brakes, man. I, I like Bajan. I think I think uh, I think he's a good good backup. I think he, he can win you a game where, where you manage the game and you do some things. But I Carm loves him. That's his guy. Uh, that's his guy well if there's anything we've learned in two years of working with Carm is that he's an odd fellow so uh that go ahead i that that wraps things up for the night we'll let everybody get to rooting against the packers looks like jordan love might have just fumbled the football of course the refs called him down but from the replay i'm looking at right now it didn't look like he was down but you know how that goes with green bay so we're going to direct our attention to the packers giants game giants giving them putting up a fight it's tied seven seven we appreciate everyone tuning in once again here on a Monday night for bears after dark. Uh, yeah, please hit that like button. If you haven't already subscribe, uh, we're trying to the, the March to 50 K on our CHGO sports YouTube channel. Let's is, go. Is, we're climbing, we're climbing Corey, just like the bears are. So uh, we'll wrap things up here tonight, tomorrow afternoon at noon, 12 PM central Cole Komet joins Ooh. Adam Hogue, Mark Carmen and myself. So we'll be talking to one of the best tight ends in football for your Chicago. One, one of these times, man, uh, when I'm not busy, I'm going to, ha- I'm going to have to call in on the show and talk to my man, Cole Komet, talk a little yeah. ball with him. Yeah. I'll, set it. It. I'll let, I'll, I'll text Hogan, mention it to yeah. him. I'm sure. So, so not sure. tomorrow, but I think that the following week I might be able to. So, okay. All right. We'll I'll get we'll that set up. I'll, 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 I'll work it out for you. You know, yeah. Corey, you're, you're my guy. We, we, we become good friends. I, oh, have I go, we? Yeah, I go around telling all sorts of people I'm friends with Corey Wooten. That's what I do. I they they asked me and I'm like, he just laid some bricks. He just laid some bricks. Nah. That's how I introduce myself to people. I'm like, I'm Corey Wooten's friend, Greg Braggs. That's how I introduce myself. So you, <laughs> it's a, you're stuck with me now. So um, hey. I appreciate you. Thanks for all the, uh, you know the football wisdom you share my football brain gets bigger every Monday. So thank you. Thank you to all in the chat. Once again, we'll see you here tomorrow at 12 PM central bear down. Ladies and gentlemen, we all city like the mayor. 